0: Amen. Open up your Bibles to Philippians 1. And we're going to read verses 18 through 26 and study it together. And I want you to see Paul's heart. This may be one of the most encouraging portions of Scripture in all of the New Testament because Paul is in jail when he writes it. He's not in a vacation or some resort or catching sun he's in a very difficult time and yet he speaks the truth over our hearts and our lives because God's truth isn't subjective to what's going on around us God's truth doesn't change God's character doesn't change God's plans don't change does your character ever change when your plans change anybody character ever get weird out there besides me you you know you're all messed up God's doesn't And so Paul in jail, Pastor Paul writing this encouraging letter. Let's just read these verses. He says, what then? It's a proverbial question. He's arguing with himself. What then? And he answers it. Well, only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. He's double rejoicing in jail. He's super excited about what God's going to do. He says, I'm not even worried about it. Don't raise your hand, but you got stuff you're worried about right now? Stuff you're freaking out about. Stuff you're not sure about. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how it's going to work. Did you know that the Lord on purpose has set your life up in areas and situations where you don't know how it's going to work? How many guys love that? I do not love that. If I was Dr. Seuss, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. I don't like it, man. I want to know what's going on. And God says, nah, I'm going to set you up over and over again in areas where you do not know how it's going to go. (gasps) Lord, is your character ever going to change? Are you ever going to not be good? No, I'll always be good. Oh, okay. So in every situation and in every circumstance and in every trial, I can rejoice and I will rejoice. That's the idea. And that's who God wants us to be. And so Paul models that for us. He tells us why. Look at verse 19. He unpacks this whole idea. Why is this true? He says, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. I know it's going to work out. Verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. But with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, well, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue all for your progress in joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus by my coming to you again. Stop right there, eyes up here. This is an encouraging letter from from Apostle Paul to his church. He wants to encourage them. To exhort them, to edify them, to equip them, in order then that they would go out and equip, edify, exhort, and encourage others. Let me ask you a question: How many of you guys today, or maybe last week, or this week, in the future, you think you're going to need to be encouraged a little bit? Anybody going to need to be encouraged a little bit? Like how many of you guys? You're just I need encouragement right now. That's why I showed up. I need to be encouraged. And I would just say that God wants to encourage you today. But trip out for this, just a little bit here. He doesn't just want to encourage you for your own selfishness, your own needs, which are real. He wants to encourage you today so then you would be an encourager to others. And if you look at life and you look at your situation, you look at your Bible study, you look at your devotions, you look at everything saying, Lord, I need some encouragement right now. Why? So I can go out and encourage others. Lord, I need some strength right now so I can go out and strengthen others. I need some knowledge so I can go out and teach others. I need some resources so I can go out and bless others. And when you have that mindset, I believe the Lord's going to encourage you. Tuesday, we had a staff meeting. We have staff meetings on Tuesday at the offices, and we begin about 10, and right around 12 or 12.30, we all start getting real hangry, and it gets really weird, and and so we order a lunch, and it's just kind of, we just fellowship, and we exhort each other, and we plan. And so the way it worked out on this particular Tuesday is we ordered lunch at Hero Guys, or what's it called, Gyro Guys, or those guys over there. And, and, and somehow I got voted to go pick up the food, and so I was driving. I was super hangry and just driving in the spirit, doing my best, you know. And, and I was actually late for my next meeting, so I was messaging. As I was driving, I, I just repent of that. And anyways, I text this guy, and I was like, I'll be late. And as I got there, the food, man, and I was getting the food, but there were some people there at the church or at the, at the restaurant, and they saw me. and said, "Oh, Pastor Luke, how's it going? And good to see you." And, and as I was walking out with all this food for the staff, they asked me, I "said Can you come? Can you just come spend a little time with us? Just a little." And, I, and what, you know, I said, "Heck no!" And I, you know, I walked out. And, yeah. I didn't say that. No, I And I set the food down at a different table, and I said, "Yeah, what's going? What's going on? What's going on?" And the situation that they were going through was actually pretty intense. Pretty intense. And, and as I was sitting there listening to their story, I got on my knees and in the restaurant there, I'm on my knees listening, so I get, get at their level, and, and I'm just listening. And I notice this kind of this my, my pocket. I was like, oh wait, I got. I got, I got some oil in my pocket, and I don't always carry oil with me, and it's anointing oil for people in time of need, and, and I had this oil in my pocket from the conference that I'd gone to the weekend prior, and I was like, I don't even know why I put these pants on, and I did, and, and I remember I was just listening, and, and, and then all of a sudden, I, got I said, let's pray, and we began to anoint each other, and lay hands on each other, and pray for each other, and exhort each other, just a, your classic Mediterranean Greek meal, you know, there at, a, you know, at the restaurant. And, as, and, and tears began to flow, and, and healing began to descend. And i just come from this meeting with my staff, just the, the power team just praying and seeking and planning, and, 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 and yet I was hungry in this time. And I just want to encourage you today. God's going to encourage you. But if you have this mindset to be used by God to go out, it's not just for you. Paul's writing this letter to the church at Philippi. He's not talking about himself in the, so that way they can come help him. He's talking about himself so they can be helped, so they can help others. And when you understand this, when you know this, it changes the way you go about your life in your stuff, your trials. It's truly your trials, your things, your smallness, your situation and situ- circumstances that are against you that are going to pr- provide for you and present a platform for ministry in Jesus' name. And I just want to encourage you. Man, it's so fun to encourage other people. The other day I was at Starbucks. I walked into Starbucks and, and I walked in and, and I just love having masks off. How many of you guys love having masks off? And you go and you can see everybody. Everybody's so beautiful. And even if they're not beautiful, they're beautiful. It's like, you're beautiful, you know, and, and I just walk in. everyone's beautiful, and this guy recognized me. He said, hey, you're, you're Pastor Luke, aren't you? I said, yeah, I think so. Am I in trouble? You know, and he's in, he introduced himself, and his, his name's Scott. He's the pastor at Toledo First Baptist Church. And I don't know him, and he knew who I was, and he just introduced himself. And I said, how long have you been the pastor there? And he said, I took over the church two weeks before pandemic. And I said, let's pray. You know, and I... And I And I just encouraged him. I was like, oh my goodness, dude. How crazy is that? And he said, young man, you know, I just prayed for him. Right there at Starbucks, just prayed for him encouraged him. And I'll tell you what, Paul's writing this letter. Here's what I really want us to understand and sense. People need encouragement right now. You do. You need it. And as you get that encouragement, God wants us to reciprocate that the church of Jesus Christ is to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. That's what we're doing. That's why we show up here. Yesterday at the work day, everyone's running around doing stuff, and this little, one of the little girls there, it's Maria's daughter, Allie. Allie was running around playing with my daughter, and, and at one point, Allie was real serious, and she came up to me and said, Luke, I have a song I'd like to sing to you. And I was kind of busy. I was like, okay, I'll find you a little bit, you know. We'll, we'll get that done. And about an hour went by, and she kept running by, and kept giving me this real serious look, you know. <laughs> and so finally at one point, I was there with, with a good friend of mine. We were standing there. I was like, hey, Allie, I, I got time right now. Go ahead, let, let's sing that song. And literally about three feet away from me, Took a deep breath. It went into this acapella song that she had written about Jesus. And she began, if you ever get blessed by hearing her sing it, she began to sing it. I began to cry, <laughs> what is going on here? Singing to Jesus, this worship song was so deep. This out of the mouth of babes, just worshiping God, encouraging me. And I just, again, I want to start the message this morning by understanding Paul is in jail. It's the worst place he could be, but it didn't stop him. He wanted to encourage people, and I want us to be encouraged And every time I go about in the world discouraged or not wanting to encourage people, I end up being discouraged. This is what it says in the book of Hebrews. I've been sharing this verse for the last three weeks. I'm going to share it again. It's Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. You can write it down, read it later. It should be up on the screen. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but listen, but exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching, this word exhorting and encouraging are the same. Paul goes on in a different portion of scripture in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 through 12, you can write that down. And he says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? Verse 12 for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Edifying, exhorting, encouraging, seeing people right where they're at, whether they're visiting from Colorado or they're living in the next door or they're living anywhere, that they would be encouraged and go out into the world and share what they have received through you. So let's be encouraged so we might be those who encourage others. Look at verse 18. Let's go ahead and start in the text now. Paul says, what then? And he answers the question He says only that in every way Whether pretense or truth Christ is preached And in this I rejoice Yes I will rejoice Paul has just got done Explaining to us In the verses prior 12 through 18 Explaining that he had A few things against him Number one he had chains He was chained to these Roman guards And he says hey I just want you guys to know That these chains Have actually worked For the furtherance of the gospel Chains in our life usually aren't going to be like Paul's chains. We're not going to probably go the same route as him. Chains are anything, though, that are seeking to set you back and take you down and hold you away from God's perfect will. But when you're a Christian, guess what? Nothing can take you away from God's perfect will. Not height, nor depth, nor any other created thing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Because God causes all things to work together for good. Now, let's just be honest. Let's be human for a second. How many of you guys like chains? You like chains in opposition circumstances? Anybody, any volunteers today want to be, a, no, none? None in the back there? Dave, head off. Me and you, okay, we'll put your helmet on. Here we go, you know. We don't like chains. We don't like opposition. What then, though? It's gonna happen. We rejoice. Because we know that this is going to work out for the furtherance of the gospel. Not just chains, but he had critics. Paul had people that hated him, people that didn't understand his heart, people that wanted him to suffer in jail while they took advantage of his ministry. These were actually Christians. And here's the idea, that no matter what chains are against you, no matter what critics are against you as well, you can and you ought to rejoice, okay? Because God can redeem good out of every bad situation. Have you figured this out yet? Now, again, let's be human. I don't like bad situations. I try and avoid bad situations at all times, but I find myself in situations that aren't good. Just no, there's no good in them. And God can redeem and will cause good to come out. And here's the two main reasons. Write this down if you're a note taker thinking this through. Two reasons why God can redeem good out of every situation. Number one, Christ is ruling from victory, it's already done. Like he's already won. He cried out on the cross, the worst day of history of the world. He's all, it is finished, and he won the battle. And now nothing can stop him. See, there's this weird idea sometimes that God is up in heaven, arm wrestling the devil himself, like rawr, 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 you know? And like there's this battle going on. Battle's over. Jesus already won. We don't wonder how we're going to win or when we're going to win or if we're going to win. It's over. We already won. If you know that, then even in a bad situation when you're all jacked up and things are going against you, you know that Christ is ruling from victory. Number two, and this is very important, maybe even more applicable to our lives, Christ is not just ruling from victory, but Christ is ruling for eternity. Check this out. There's more that's going to happen in your life after this life than in this life. Now, how many of you guys are trying to get all you can out of this life right now? Don't don't lie to me. I'm trying to get all I can, you know, I'm trying to get all I can and can all I get and sit on the can. You know, I'm trying to do that's what I'm trying to do. Right? Y'all doing it too, don't lie. We're trying to get all we can. This life is but a moment, a wrinkle in time. And then forever. Now that you just gotta settle into that, because that's nuts, because all we know is now. All we know is this life. All we know is the 80 years we're given, give or take. All we know is that's all we know. But the Bible speaks there is a hereafter, that there is an eternity. There's an eternity past forever and ever and ever. There's an eternity future forever and ever and ever. And so when you start freaking out about the chains and the critics in your life, oh, man, I got this thing. Okay, we see it. We see it. We see it. Are you rejoicing in it? Not yet. Maybe after the 11 a.m. service I will, you know. Paul was an encourager. He didn't pretend he didn't have chains, he said, no, I got them. they're everywhere, I got critics, it's, it's happening, it's happening, but my God, and Paul had seen this happen in his, in his own life, Paul was a, he was a walking textbook and a walking history book of the faithfulness of God, even at the very beginning of his life, remember how he got blinded and humbled by God, knocked off his path, and he was devastated and God saved him in that, God led him to salvation, Maybe you're humbled right now And maybe you're off your path And maybe there's some blindness in your life you're like, Oh man this is the worst It couldn't be any worse It couldn't be any worse for me Or maybe a loved one They're just so far off the path Really? Maybe that's exactly what God is doing in their life To bring them nearer to him And then after Paul got back on the path Things didn't go perfect for him one time he was arrested even at the the town of Philippi and he was put in jail and it wasn't going good for him. And God used that to further the gospel. He had chains and critics then. God used it. Paul wasn't writing this letter from vain saying, Yeah, I just hope this is working. I read it in a Hallmark card. I hope it works out. You know, readers digest. just don't let me down, you know. This was personal experience. One time Paul was on this island, he just got shipwrecked, things weren't going good for him, and he's picking up sticks and he gets bit by this poisonous snake. It's a snake that kills people and that's the only way it works. And so he shakes the snake off and the islanders are watching for him to die like, this guy's going down, this is going to be good, get the camera, it's going to be legit. And instead of dying, he just kept getting stronger and stronger and walked in peace. Nothing could stop this man. He was shaking off those chains, shaking off those critics, and he was able to rejoice. I just want to be the person that does that. I don't do that yet very well. I get bit, I get chain wreck, I get shipwrecked and chain wreck. I don't know what chain wreck is. I get all messed up, and man, I start to see my situation. And I wonder whose fault it is and how it's going to go down. Let me have you write two more things down. Two things to look for, and ultimately do when the roof caves in. Okay, number one, look for a way to glorify God in it. Some of us, right now, in the midst of your situation, you're waiting for it to resolve and to go away before you get back on the path and start to glorify God, till you're restored, till the chains are gone, till the critics minimize. God has given to you a platform right now in the chaos, in the storm, to glorify Him. And you need to trust the Lord that it will ultimately, your situation, become a platform for Christ to be preached. He said, Hey, these changes actually further the gospel. Believe it or not, it's crazy. We don't volunteer for chains. We don't want setbacks, trials, situations, and tests. But God says, if you look at it as a platform, you can redeem it right now. Look for a way to glorify God in it. Even if it's messy. It can still be redeemed and it can go from messy to become a message of his grace and his love, his power, his forgiveness. Did you know that the gospel is pretty messy? You guys figured this out? The gospel is not sanitized. It's not just in saran wrap. It's messy. God meets people in their darkest days, and he saves them, and he cleans them, and he heals them, and he moves them forward. Now, the problem is, is, once you've been saved in that way, okay, we don't like it when we get messy again. We don't like it when we need God's grace again. Look for a way to glorify God in your mess, and it will become his message. Number two, find something to rejoice over. He says here in verse 18, he says, I will rejoice and will rejoice. I rejoice in this and I will rejoice. But I'm fired up about this. What are you fired up about? That people hate me and that I'm chained up? I don't know if that's how I would react, Paul. And he finds a way to rejoice. He says, you know what's crazy, though? The gospel is being furthered. It just is. And I'm going to say this sensitively because some of you would argue immediately. But did you know that in every messy situation, it could be worse? You ever figured that out? Like, it could be worse. I'm not saying your situation's not bad, but it could be worse. Oh, I lost my job. Okay? That sucks. Okay? Could be worse, though. You could not get another job. You could not be able to work. Oh, I lost my health. That's not good. Okay? It could be worse. You could lose your salvation, but you didn't lose your salvation. You're still saved. You can always find something to rejoice in. It could be worse. And when you have this attitude of gratitude, even in the mess, Paul's not writing this again from a resort. He's writing this from Rome. It's not good for him. He's like, yeah, I'm actually fired up. I'm rejoicing. Really? Why? Well, because I see the good in it. God's actually being glorified. It's crazy. It's crazy. If you don't have the lens of heaven, you don't have that singleness of mind, you're going to be all perplexed. You're going to be all frazzled. You're going to be all freaked out when things don't go your way. But if we choose to accept the bad and celebrate that it could be worse we can use our situation as a platform to demonstrate Jesus I was thinking about Cory Tenboom uh, last night and this morning Corrie Ten Tenboom lived in the era of World War II and she was taken captive into uh, Nazi Germany and lived as a as a prisoner for many years and she was mistreated and abused and she let that opportunity be used for her to bless others. A couple stories that Corey Ten Boom brings to light in one of her books, The Hiding Place. One of the stories was that she was put in this particular box car in this holding cell with other women. It was so tight and so cramped that there was nowhere to even move. And it was just gross conditions and it was all messed up. And, and she looked at all these women in this condition with her and she said, this is awesome. There's so many women here that can hear the gospel. She had smuggled with her a Bible, and she had a Bible there that she had uh, smuggled out of Berlin, and she brought that with her. And so she saw all the people and all this stuff. Wouldn't you just see it differently? Like, man, it feels like Disneyland, but not Disneyland. Like, there's people everywhere. And she says, no, this is an opportunity. And she began to minister. There's more ears, more people that I can minister to. At one point, she was put in this one particular holding area that was full of rancid straw. And there was fleas and lice, and they were laying down trying to get comfortable, and they started getting eaten alive by these fleas and by these lice and all these things. And they began to kind of deal with that. And she was reading through the book of Philipp, or Thessalonians, and in Thessalonians, the Bible says, Rejoice in all things. It doesn't say to rejoice for all things. It says in all things. And so she began to pray, Thank you, God, for these fleas. Thank you Lord for this condition. And she began to pray for that, not realizing that it was in that condition, the fleas and the lice and this infestation that was actually gonna protect her from these abusive soldiers. As the soldiers found out that that particular holding area had fleas, you know what they did to those gals? They left them alone. And she began to rejoice with her sister in that suffering. Now let's just pause for a second. Like I don't usually thank God for fleas not my reaction wouldn't it be awesome if we chose to say Lord Lord Lord, the Lord the Lord is good his character has not changed the world around us is slowly falling apart your bodies are slowly falling apart it's just happening and as our comfort and as our things that we put so much hope in are being taken from us we look and say Lord You haven't changed. You are good. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. No matter how big the trial, tragedy, chain, or critic, or how small it is, you say, thank you, Lord, for this. Okay, let's find something to rejoice in no matter what's going on. I told this story years ago, I told this story recently about years ago when I was a kid, we used to cut firewood, my parents are right here, and we lived in Bend, Oregon, and so we'd have to cut firewood, and uh, the way to do it is to make your kids do all the work, because I, I guess that's legal, but anyways, so we would cut firewood and stack firewood, I remember we were at this one particular forest area cutting firewood, and this tree fell down, and my good friend Stuart, we were in middle school together, elementary school, and he just said, timber, this big old yell from this little kid, and the tree went down and smashed his dad's truck. And I remember Stuart, my little buddy, ran over to the truck and out of the rubble grabbed his dad's favorite coffee mug and said, look, Dad, your mug almost broke, you know. <laughs> and he was pumped. It didn't break, Dad, you know. And literally the door was off the truck. That's it an interesting perspective, Stuart, you know. All right. Never, never forgot that. Find something to glorify God in and find something to rejoice over. In in verse 14, I didn't talk about this last week, I'll, I'll mention it quickly now. Paul said that my chains have actually encouraged the other brothers and sisters to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That word share literally means to talk in conversation one at a time or two at a time or three at a time. It's not preaching like this. This is a didactic teaching time where I'm teaching to the multitude. We call this the air war. Then there's other conversations that we call the ground war where we're having conversations with each other. And Paul said, my chains have actually caused the people of the church to talk about Jesus everywhere they go. They're just sharing it everywhere they go. Most people won't preach. Most people won't teach in this kind of setting, but everybody talks, right? Let me say that again. Everybody talks, right? You guys talk. In the trials you go through, the situations you go through, you have a testimony, a platform to glorify Jesus, an opportunity to rejoice in something, and there are people that have your voice in their ear, and you get a chance to testify. Wouldn't it be awesome if every single person at South Beach Church heard God's word in their hearts and looked at the situation in their life and said, this is an opportunity. You know why? Because it could be worse. Because it could be worse, and it's not, and I'm going to rejoice. Paul, you're in jail. You have critics. I know. Isn't that awesome? Mm, I didn't see it that way. Hey, Corey Tendum, you're in jail and this isn't going good. Isn't that awesome? No, I didn't see it that way. And yet you, if you trust the Lord, can see it that way and can share. Now let me just slow it down a little bit before we move on. Because I understand that there are situations that are so dark and so heavy right now. Is it the loss, the difficulty? And I don't want you to think Pastor Luke's not sensitive or that the Lord doesn't know in the Gospel of John in chapter 11, Jesus shows up to a memorial, and it's to Lazarus' memorial, his friend. And Lazarus has just died, and there's great brokenness. And the Bible says it's the shortest verse in all the Bible. it's John 11:35. it says, "Jesus seeing them weeping, Jesus seeing the tomb that's covered, Jesus seeing the death." The Bible says, "Jesus wept. He knows. He knows. He knows the difficulty in the trial. He knows the setback in the circumstance. He knows. But did you know that the very next red letters out of Jesus' mouth after he wept, you know what he said next after that, three verses later? You know what he said? Take away the stone. Take away the stone. Take away the stone. is nuts? He's both. He's the weeping Savior, he's broken. He understands your situation, your loss, your devastation. He understands. He's right there weeping with you. But he doesn't stay there weeping. It's the shortest verse. I'm glad it's not the longest verse. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. And then he stands up, take away the stone. You see, where you're at right now is not your end. This is not the end. Christ has already won. There is a hereafter. God has a plan. He will be able to see you through the end. He knows your situation. And guess what he's doing right now? He's working in you, listen, and he's planting seeds through you. Do you know that? Your situation right now is not just about you. God's going to allow you to suffer. God's going to allow you to go through a situation and a circumstance and a trial in order that the seeds of the gospel would be planted from your life into the hearers and minds and eyes of other people. They're going to see you, and eventually those seeds are going to then germinate and produce fruit. But unless those seeds come from you and go into the ground and die, they cannot produce fruit. God knows what he's doing. Our job is to trust him. Look at verse 19. Paul doubles down. That was one verse, guys. we got to hustle. He says this in verse 19. He says, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I know it's going to work out. I know I'm going to be delivered. Do you have that confidence yet? This is why Paul wrote this to the church at Philippi, so we would have that confidence. Can we just commit to having that kind of confidence, even if you don't have it? Let me say it differently. Even if you don't feel it, how many of you guys wait till you feel it to then walk in it? This happens at times. Once I feel it, I'll do it, okay? This is why I love God's principles and God's promises, God's power, God's provision, God's plan. It has nothing to do with my feelings. Have your feelings ever been wrong, by the way? Are your feelings ever broken? Okay, don't trust your feelings. Don't do it. Do not trust your feelings. Trust God's word. Verse 19 again. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. Here's Hawaii, by the way. Two things through your prayers and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Paul says here emphatically, You know how I know I'm going to get out of jail and this is going to go to my favor? Because y'all are praying for me. Can I just exhort you one more time? Don't quit praying. Pray for your spouse. Pray for your kids. Pray for your community. Pray for your church. Pray for your government. Pray for the lost. Pray for the saved. Pray for yourself, okay? And then pray again. And then the next day, repeat. Pray for all those people. Don't quit. Keep praying. Yeah, but I don't see much change happening. Keep praying. I haven't seen anything good happen. Keep praying. Don't ever quit. He's asked us to pray by faith and to faithfully pray. And he says, not just your prayers, but this is also, this is what he says, here's why I'm so confident, and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Do you guys know how much power God has? To deliver you and to see you through to the end of the situation you're in, it's not just the prayers of the people around you. It's not just your prayers for the people around you. It is the generous supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ in your life. Now, can you imagine if you had just one of the other? Like it'd be pretty cool. Like just the prayers. That's all I got. Just I'll be all right. Or just there's just the Spirit of Christ. Paul says, I got both. I got the prayers of the people and I got the power of God. Nothing can stop me. And let me make sure you understand the dichotomy here, the tension. This is a paradoxical statement. He says, I know it's going to work out because you all praying for me. I know it's going to work out because Christ has power for me. Which one is it? Is it the prayers of the people or is it the power of Christ? What's the answer? Both. It's both. You see, God has chosen to partner with us with his power through our prayers. It's not one or the other. Sometimes we forget that. We're like, well, if the Lord wanted this to be better, he'd do it. Wouldn't he just do it? Wouldn't he just do it? But instead, the Lord wants us to partner with his power. So there's two things that are going to make sure that we get through to the end. Number one, the prayer of his friends. And number two, the supply of Jesus Christ. Paul knew this Experientially. When he wrote this, he wasn't even sweating. Everyone else was freaking out. Paul's in jail again. He's like, Oh, I've been here before. (laughs) That's actually kind of fun. I do my best work from jail. One of my favorite stories is in the book of Acts 23. And in Acts 23, Paul has gone to Jerusalem. He's been betrayed and he's been arrested and he's been beaten and he's been imprisoned. And he's in prison, he's got blood coming out of his face. At that very time, 40 banditos, Jewish banditos, have banded together and they said, we will not eat or drink anything until Paul's dead. We're going to kill him or die first. That's what we're going to do. And Paul's bleeding, sitting in jail. All this is going against him. And in Acts 23, the Bible says this, Jesus appears to him, Acts 23, 11, it says, but the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, be of good cheer, Paul. For as you've testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. I'm going to read that again. But the following night, the Lord stood by and said, be of good cheer, Paul. I'll stop right there as I'm here. Paul's in jail, 40 guys waiting on the outside of his jail cell to kill him. Blood come out of his face. All of his people have betrayed him. And he's like, I don't think this is going very good. And Jesus shows up and says, hey, dude, you're doing great. I don't know if you just saw what happened, Jesus. Like, this is not going good. And yet Jesus gives him a word. You're doing great, Paul. It's going to be just fine. Oh, by the way, you're going to also give testimony of me in Rome. He's in Jerusalem. He'd never been to Rome before. And now all of a sudden, Jesus Christ himself visits him in his darkest time and says, you're doing great. doesn't look great, but you're doing great. And you're going to Rome. How am I going to get to Rome? Don't worry about it. Has God ever given you a word or a promise or some prophecy or some promise and you look at it, you're like, I don't know, man. It's pretty clear. <laughs> I just don't see how it's going to happen. You don't need to see how it's going to happen. That's not your job. As a matter of fact, on purpose, God has hidden the details of how it's going to happen. So that way, when you get to the end, you can say, whoa. And you can bow your knee and give all glory to him and rejoice in the meantime. Paul was able to say, guys, the power of your prayers and the power of God's spirit are gonna get me. Look at verse 20. He says, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Stop right there and eyes up here. Paul says, I'm not worried about anything. Even if I die or live in my body, Christ is going to be magnified, and I will not be ashamed. This is the kind of courage, exhortment, edification, equipping we need. This is the kind of countenance we can have on our face. No matter what's going on, God is going to finish the work he began. And Christ will be magnified. I like that word magnified. Whenever I think of the word magnified, I think of flex. We pray, the Lord, Lord, magnify your name. Like, Lord, just expand your name. And we want to magnify the name of Jesus. I don't know if you guys ever saw the banner on the side of the building here. It says, Jesus is real. You guys like that banner out there? I was a little disappointed when we put that up. I thought we ordered the large one, but they gave us the small one. And um, it's just, it, it's, it, we, I wanted a bigger one. Jesus is real. I wanted it even bigger. One time I was talking about making Jesus famous, and I used that term. I was like, yeah, we're just trying to make Jesus famous. And the person I was talking to got offended. You don't need to make Jesus famous. He's already famous. And I was like, well, Is he? Does he need to be more magnified? Is that our goal, is to magnify the Lord? This is what Paul says, that God's name would be magnified in my body, whether through life or death. This idea of making Jesus great, making Jesus famous, making Jesus available. Did you know, listen, did you know that in some people's lives, too many people's lives, Jesus is a far distant thought? He's nothing to them. He's not big to them. He's way out there. He's this far. They, well, Jesus, why is you shirt? Sure? You're so crazy. What's wrong with you? Because Jesus is not close to them. He's far from them. You know what a telescope does? A telescope grabs those things that are far from us and brings them closer. There are stars right now and galaxies and things in the universe right now that are so stinking big, it would melt your face off a hundred times over. Just, ah, you're so big. The stars that are out there The sun itself is so massive, but they're so far out that we can't even see them. But you throw a telescope up there, and you can bring those things that are so far away closer. Did you know that God wants to use you in other people's lives like a telescope? You who know Jesus, he's close to you. He's not far. And the rest of the world's walking around in darkness. Like, yeah, I don't see him. I don't see him. I don't see him. And you're, oh, 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 oh. And in your life, whether through life or death, God's going to use you to make Jesus, who is far away to some, Not only is he a far away to some people, but he's also not big to other people. He's small. Your God's just a small God. Do you know what a telescope does? It brings those things that are farther closer. You know what a microscope does? It takes those things that are smaller and magnifies them, makes them bigger. And some people in your life right now don't look at your God as a big God, as a, a large God, as a close God. And God wants to use you as a microscope to magnify the Lord. So in everything you do, you're a telescope or you're a microscope, God's using you, and the platform he's going to give you might not always be to your choosing. As a matter of fact, it's not going to be. Sometimes I get to choose what I do. Lord, I'm going to go over here and do this, you know. Put that post on Facebook. This is going to magnify your name. This is going to bring you closer to people, and it does. Then there's times in your life where you look around and you've got a critic, you've got a chain, you've got a circumstance and a trial. Oh, Lord, what gives? why is this happening, what's going on here and the Lord says oh, I'm going to use you as a telescope there are people in your life right now that don't know God and you do and it's going to become closer in their life through you and your suffering through your steadfastness, through your faithfulness Paul is, he's, man he's freaking out right here I'm not going to be ashamed of anything Christ will be, verse 20 right in the middle, magnified in my body whether by life or by death for to me, verse 21 to live as Christ and to die as gain one of the most famous verses we've all heard this is one of our memory verses. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Literally, what Paul is saying is that what makes me come alive is Christ. To live is Christ. And to die is gain. This, by the way, is a good test for all of us in our lives. For to me to live is blank. Paul was able to say it's Christ. Now, there's lots of things in my life I get excited about and things happen. I'm, oh, I get excited about that. And for me to live can be those things for a moment. And hopefully the the sub-foundation there is Christ. Paul was able to say emphatically, I'm locked up, it doesn't matter. You know what? Everything I do is about Christ. And even when I die, that's game. You can't stop that man or woman. The one who lives for Christ and dies in victory. There are people right now that are trying to live because they're afraid of death. There's even people right now that want to die and so that way they're not living. Paul loved to live and he loved to die. You can't stop that person. He goes on and he tells us in verse twenty-two. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I choose, what I shall choose, I cannot tell. Stop right there. Eyes up here. He says, "If I do live, for me to live is death. Or is for me to live as Christ and to die is gain." He says that if I do live on, though, it's going to be labor from my life. Paul Paul made a decision that as long as he has a pulse, he's going to keep living his purpose, and everything he does is going to bear fruit. Roots down, fruits out, everything he does. Last night I was reading this together, and it just reminded me of the warrior, Caleb, in the Old Testament. Remember Caleb in the Old Testament, and they get done walking through the wilderness wandering and they start divvying up the promised land I think it's somewhere I can't remember where it's at but it's in the Old Testament there maybe in Joshua and they're divvying up the Old Testament there's this one particular mountainside that's full of giants and nobody wants it because it's kind of cray-cray it's like Portland it's kind of scary nobody wants to go there and Caleb looks at it he's like are you for real And he said, when I got saved at 40 years old and then walked for the next 45 years, I've been just getting ready to rumble. And he says, give me the hill. Give me the giants. Give me the mountain. And he looked at his life and he said, let's go. Till the day I die. Fruit, increase, labor. That's why I'm here. And if you ever forget that, if you don't know that, you just need to be exhorted. You just need to be encouraged. You just need to be equipped. If you got a pulse, you got a purpose. And he says right here in verse 22, but if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. His humanity shows a little bit. He says, yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. Verse 23, for I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. I love this portion. Paul's so honest. He says, you know what I'd rather do? Right? I'm just gonna be honest. I'd rather just die. He doesn't use the word die, though. He says depart. Interesting word. Would have made more sense for him to say, I just want to die. You ever found somebody who just wants to die? He doesn't use that word because dies kind of implies this end. He uses a different word. He uses the word for depart. This would be a word that a sailor would use in those days to talk about the journey they were about to go as they would depart from the dock and go out to sea. There's an adventure. I'm going to depart. This would be a term that soldiers would use when they go into battle and they would take their tents down and they would depart from camp and go out to war. This would be a term that farmers would use after they had done the work and they would take the auction together and they would take the yoke off and they would depart from that work that they'd just been doing. It was also a term used by political people to set prisoners free when they would depart. It wasn't death. And Paul was saying in his life, you know what I want to do? I want to depart. But it's better for you that I stay. Can I just touch on this one point? Look at verse 23. For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart, listen, and be with Christ, which is far better. How many of you guys are a little bit excited about heaven? 19 of you. That's cool. That's cool. Daylight like savings. I get it. You guys are fine. You're fine. You're going to regret that in a minute. You know, you know. I'm excited about heaven for so many reasons. And you probably have your top ten reasons for being excited about heaven, like all the things. No more daylight savings up there. No more fog in August. And you can fly and eat ice cream and all these things, right? Just heaven's going to be so legit. No aches, no pains, no hindrances, no fears, no shame. You know what the best part about heaven is, though? It's Jesus. When we're talking reconciliation with our maker, like full joy, with Jesus. And we're all gonna be there. Like we're gonna be freaking out together. Like it's gonna be so good. But Jesus is gonna be it's gonna be the crown of heaven. And Paul says, Paul's in jail. He's like, dude, I'm here. And while I'm here, I'm gonna be working. I actually want to go to heaven and be with Jesus, which is far better. Look at this contrast. Verse 24. Nevertheless, this is highlighted and underlined and circled in my Bible. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. Did you guys know this is a game-changing verse while you still have breath in your lungs? I'm going to heaven. My my king won. My savior's on the throne. Nothing's gonna stop that. All things are working together. The chains don't stop me. The critics don't stop me. My crisis doesn't stop me. Nothing stops me. While I'm here, you know what I'm doing? I'm working. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. This verse will change your life because this verse gets us from being selfish to being selfless this verse gets us from being inward focused to being outward focused one of the biggest deceptions that satan's going to have you work with and fall into the rest of your life is selfishness and inwardness every single day for the rest of your life it's going to be the biggest trap you'll ever fight and when you say nevertheless it's better for you that i remain why because i'm not here for myself i'm here to serve you And when you wake up to serve your spouse, to serve your kids, to serve your community, to serve the people around you, instead of serving yourself, your life counts. Your joy is full. Your purpose is known. The power of God is shared with you. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. Verse 25 and 26, wrapping up, he says, And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more and more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Let's do this this week. It's more needful for the people around you that you're here. Why are you here? Why do you exist? Why are you here? As a believer, you're here on mission. You're here filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and the love of Jesus Christ that the world doesn't see. It's too far away. It's too small. They don't understand it. They can't comprehend it. Just like cellular structure and atoms are happening right now, but we can't see it unless we have the right telescope and microscope to bring those things to our understanding. Your kids... Your community, they don't know what you know. And if you believe, if you're confident that God's going to use you in the way that you celebrate victory, you rejoice even in those things that are difficult. It could be worse. It could be worse. But my God is victorious. And guess what? This isn't the end. There's more. There's more beyond. We are not hopeless. We are all the more Hopeful. And may we remind each other that when we see a brother or a sister or a friend or a foe down and not walking in that truth, may we be those who exhort and encourage and edify and equip And may the Lord use us in the lives of others. Father, in Jesus' name, would you bless us with that understanding? Would you bless us with that outlook? Would you bless us with that attitude? Would you bless us with that faith? And if you're here right now in Jesus' name and you would say, I want that faith. Would you just raise up your hand right now? I want that faith, the saving faith that Paul had in Jesus and that sanctifying faith that Paul had in Jesus. I want to see it like Paul. did. Just raise up your hand right now and say, I want to have that outlook. I want to be like that. I don't want to be kicked around and pushed around and down because of my circumstances and chains and critics and crisis. I want to know that Jesus is going to use that stuff. So, Lord, we thank you. We honor you. Maybe you just keep your hand up and just honor the Lord with me. Would you honor him? He's your savior. Lord, I got both hands up. I just honor you. Lord, I worship you. I surrender to you, Lord. I thank you for your faithfulness in my life. And I ask, Lord, for your forgiveness in my faithlessness, Lord, when I've offended you. Willfully and on accident I apologize Lord And I pray that we would respond to you and your faithfulness And we'd be your men and women Your sons and your daughters Lord Use our lives for your glory and for others good Magnify yourselves in us, we pray Magnify yourselves through us We give our lives to you We give this church to you We give the South Beach Christian School to you, Lord We give the future to you Thank you, Lord, for cleaning up our past For being with us in our present and For going with us in our future We love you, Jesus Lead us into the rest of the day, Lord May your countenance be ours to enjoy And then to give to others In Jesus' name we pray And everybody said amen and amen. God bless you guys. Be encouraged, but look for some people to encourage this week as well. Let the Lord use you and lead you. I'm going to play a video right now. This is my friend Ryan Stevenson. You all are dismissed, but this is the guy we're having in two weeks to play music with us here. I love you guys. God bless you. See you soon.